So we'll start with, uh, so I hear you're leading Waterville to work on Symphony full-time now. Open source. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. I got like three or four lines of code merged in there. It's pretty crazy that like we haven't had to merge anything before, but uh, anyway, yeah, finally got that badge. Nice. I'm kind of surprised you haven't had to. Is it that um, you should code around it or you just haven't hit a case where you need it? We just haven't hit a case that we couldn't like, you know, um, extend something or tweak something the way we wanted to. And uh, I mean, the stuff that we that we mainly use Symphony for is the HTTP request stuff. So like the HTTP spec is not something that's like changing every day. So it's it's pretty much stable and we never really have to mess with it. Cool. So what was your commit for those listening? Uh, they had deprecated being able to like you have a request come in and that request has like inputs on it say from like a form maybe you have like a name one and there's a middleware in laravel that if you get an empty string in an input it will just change it to null and i think the idea behind that is it sort of makes it consistent between like your json and form endpoints anyway they had like deprecated setting being able to set a request attribute to null you had to set it to either a string or an array and so i sort of undeprecated that in my pull request nice cool yeah. uh so let's let's start from the beginning i guess uh you're in arkansas is that right and yeah. you grew up there or how, how the hell did you end up there yeah my family's lived in arkansas since like like the 1830s something like that and around pretty much the same town, Hot Spring, Arkansas, which is the boyhood home of Bill Clinton, kind of its claim to fame, and also the first national park, actually, in the United States. Um, so, yeah, I grew up there, um, went to high school there, and now I just live like 30 minutes from there, um, pretty close to Little Rock, Arkansas, which is the capital of Arkansas. So, I mean, pretty much always been here. I went to college, Arkansas Tech. Um, yeah, so pretty much born and raised right here. Nice. Did you go to college for CS or what did you go for? I went to college for uh, a degree called information technology, which is like um, a lot of computer networking type stuff, um, routers, switches. Uh, I had a DBA class. I had two semesters of C++, which is any computer major at, at that school has to take that. Um, but I didn't do anything beyond those two semesters of C++ programming wise. They had an optional PHP course, which I wish I would have taken now uh, just to see what that <laughs> oh, was. That like. might have like, completely screwed you up. Yeah, it was like PHP and Apache and like basically like the LAMP stack on a Linux. Um, yeah, but I mean, uh, I had some other courses like, um, like I said, the DBA course, which is pretty nice. Um, and then there was like a software management course, which it was all like kind of on different methods of software. Um, I guess like project management, like waterfall, agile, stuff like that. I had a course on that kind of stuff. Did you uh, there, finish the degree? Yeah, I, I finished the degree. So I, that was like a four year degree from Arkansas Tech, um, bachelor's in information technology. And like when I was kind of wrapping up like my senior year, I always just assumed like I'll be like a network admin at like some business or hospital or school or whatever and um i never really expected to be a programmer i didn't even really i had never really programmed anything serious i had programmed um like my ti-83 calculator in high school and i knew i knew like html and basic css and stuff and i built simple websites when i was a kid or whatever but i was not like a, a serious programmer so 
I didn't really expect to really go down that road. But then this this company from Fort Smith, Arkansas, which was like two hours from where I went to school, they came to interview because they only hire like new college graduates, period. Like they don't bring on anyone else. It's kind of an interesting setup, but like people end up working there for like 30 years. So it works out for them. Um, and that whoever they hire, they put through like a six month training program. So I think they kind of their approach is to hire like really fresh graduates and then just train them to be exactly how they want them to be. And then, you know, they worked there for a while. Um, so I went through that six month training program once they hired me. And, um, that's where I, that's where I actually learned like how to program for real, like, um, .NET, COBOL, JCL, um, ASP classic and ASP.net. Um, we did a bunch of different stuff. Um, it was pretty intensive, like all day training, um, for six months. And then, um, I would have a few days off to work on like, random little projects just to get my feet let feet wet like i know the first thing i ever worked on there was a cobol cics screen to the phone number field needed validation like it was just letting any random input into the field and so i was supposed to validate that it took me like two days to figure out how to do that <laughs> nice yeah, that's interesting because that's like very old school way to think about a company right like, you know, yeah out of high school and then or out of college and you stay there for 30 years. Yep. And there were definitely people that like, I mean, the CE when I got there, the CEO of that company who was well into his sixties age wise, he had started as a programmer, like in the seventies and like, he had just worked there all the way up. Like they promote from within the whole way up to the top. So anyone that's like corporate, like, you know, a C level officer there started at like the bottom. It's kind of, it is pretty interesting company. It used to be called Arkansas Best Freight. Now it's Arc Best. I think they renamed themselves. Gotcha. That's cool. It's uh, so it's it's kind of I understand why it's changed, and I wouldn't necessarily want to work in the same place for thirty years. But it is yeah. that's not quite a thing we have anymore. That you can work up from the you know quote unquote janitor up to CEO. Yeah, I mean it's crazy because like once I left there, I realized like programmers like me and you or people that work on open source stuff um are kind of the exception you know what i mean like a lot of programmers the vast majority of programmers at that company um just went to work they programmed and they went home they did not participate in uh the twitter developer scene they did not participate in the reddit developer scene they didn't think about development at all once they got off work (laughs) Um, there was only like a group of like i don't know maybe 10 out of 150 or 200 programmers that like programming was like a ha to them in a way. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that once I left there, I kind of, I had never really been exposed to open source until I started Laravel all that much. Um, and I, of course I'd played with coding Niter a little bit, but I don't know. I just wasn't really, I didn't really start coding as a hobby until then. Like I just got off work and went home and did other stuff. <laughs> Interesting. Kind of jump into that some days, right? Yeah. Some of those things where like you do what you love and you can never not be working. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even have a computer at home for a, for a while. Like, I just had an iPad. Uh, really? When the iPads you didn't first like came take out. a laptop home or anything like that. No, I didn't have any computer at home except the iPad for a little while. And then huh. once I once I got into Laravel, um, I bought like a cheap laptop at Best Buy. Um, it was like an Acer Asus laptop or something like that, just so I could like hack on Laravel at night. Um, and the laptop was like so bad that I had to hook like an external keyboard and mouse up to it just to like function. Cause like the keyboard was so <laughs> terrible. 
<laughs> oh man, it's also with my MacBook Pro now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Um, at a point, I just lost it. So, let's let's circle back. I guess is your your wife from Arkansas as well, or how'd you meet? No, she's not from Arkansas. She was born in uh, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, and then she lived. In, I know she grew up most of the time in Pennsylvania, and then they bought a small grocery store in a small town in Oklahoma called Howe, Oklahoma, H-O-W-E. And that is actually like only 15 or 20 minutes from Fort Smith, Arkansas, because Fort Smith is right on the border of Oklahoma. Like it sits right on the edge. Um, And so we met, like I was living in Fort Smith. She was living right there, like 15 minutes away. So we sort of met through friends that way. And uh, yeah, but she's not from anywhere around here, actually. Um, Just kind of worked out that way. We're at the same place at the same time. Nice. How long have you been married? Uh, this would be eleven years, actually. Like in two weeks, um, July sixth, or no, Good July twelfth. July twelfth. July sixth. July sixth is her birthday. <laughs> <laughs> she has a birthday, and then our anniversary is like really close together. Yeah, so eleven years, and then we we had kids like really early. Like we had a honeymoon baby. I'm pretty sure. Um, nice. Pretty much like nine months after we got married, we had our first kid. <laughs> nice. How was that process of like, so I don't have kids, right? So I have no idea how hard it was to fit in the open source work and just uh, building a career around young kids and like difficult. How was that? Yeah, it wasn't too bad at first because when I first started building Laravel, James, my son was like super young. I mean, so like, I mean, he wasn't even really talking yet. And like, he went to bed early. Little kids like sleep a lot, you know? So like, there was lots mm-hmm. of, um, there was, not a, there was more free time than you might expect, but like, you know, once they get up to be like three or four and they're like really running around everywhere, that's more of like a, you know, that takes up more of your time for sure. Um, and now I've sort of like back in a sweet spot now where they're like older and, you know, can like feed themselves, dress themselves, <laughs> can carry on like an intelligent conversation, um, can beat me at Fortnite, you know, like they can text me on their iPad. So like, it's a totally different world now, but you know, I, I mean, I just kind of got lucky. The timing was right that, um, you know, he was really small when I was first building Laravel because otherwise I'm not sure I would have had the energy to stay up till like midnight or 2 a.m. and work on that kind of stuff. Yeah. Fair. How old are they now? Uh, James is 10 and Victoria is eight. Cool. Yeah. So they're, I mean, they're getting pretty big. I mean, I was just thinking the other day, like James is halfway to 18 or past halfway to 18. So, um yeah getting yeah. getting up there you said stamps up uh, midnight or two are you like more the late night programmer or not not anymore time? no i was but not anymore like when i first started building laravel uh my wife would go to bed at like nine thirty, and then i would stay up until like midnight one and then get up at like six thirty or 7 ready for work and honestly like felt great like f- no problem at all and um and then like when I started building Forge and I was working at Userscape, I would stay up really late then too. Like it's so kind of the same situation. My wife would go to bed at like nine thirty. I would stay up till like uh midnight or one. Like if I went to bed at midnight when I was building Forge, like to me that was like a conservative night. Um like I felt like I was gonna feel really good the next day. Um and it's kind of the same thing. Like I wasn't I honestly don't remember ever feeling like tired or like Oh man, I shouldn't have done that or whatever. But I don't know. I was just, I guess I was just a lot younger and 
Um, yeah, how old were you there? Because I feel like um, I've started to notice in the past few years, like, as I approach 30, like I need a solid seven hours of practice. Yeah. Let's see. When I first started working on Forge, I was like, I mean, I was like 28. When I first started building Laravel, I was 24, 23 or 24. I mean, it's pretty yeah. young when I first started Laravel, but. And then on Forge, once once like I went full time on Laravel, I never really stayed up late anymore to work on code because like you know I could do everything I want to do on Laravel during the day, so I had mm-hmm. no need. I have no need to stay up like that anymore. And I'm not even sure I could. I mean, like you said, like I don't know. I go to bed at midnight now and get up like I feel miserable. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild how that happens, right? Yeah. So what's your what's your general working schedule now? Uh, I mean, kind of the typical work day, like I'll get up, um, I'll get up at like seven, you know, eat breakfast and like be in the office usually by seven forty-five or eight. And, um, like first thing I do is just like check my email, customer support, manage GitHub pull requests. Cause I got to do that every day. Um, and then just kind of, I don't know, see what the rest of the team needs. If they need any, like any feedback on their pull requests or whatever. And then I pretty much just get off work at five. So, I mean, it's kind of like, just like when I had an office job, um, pretty much the same schedule. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll check in on like emails on the weekend a little bit, like customer support emails. Um, but honestly, not more than like 15 minutes or something like that. I mean, nothing too big. Is there a reason you've kept that schedule? I would imagine now you have the flexibility to just kind of work whenever you want, right? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, like, especially with the kids now, like they get at, they get home from school and then when I get off at five, like, you know, they want to do stuff or we eat dinner or they want to go fishing at the lake or whatever else, play basketball. So, like, I, I definitely don't really have time to work until after they went to bed. Um, mm. The only the only thing I've, like, thought about modifying is getting up earlier um, to work and then being done sooner. Um, but, again, like, I've just been too lazy to get up that early. <laughs> Yeah, like to get up at like five for like some of those hardcore people that are like four thirty or whatever. You feel like you really need that eight or nine hour day to get done? Uh, I don't think so. I think I could pretty much do everything I want to do in like six hours. I would say Um, Mm -hmm. towards like from like three to five, I find that I'm usually kind of like winding down, slowing down. Um, I could probably wrap up a little earlier. Um, yeah, so I mean, I don't know. There's only so much like hardcore work you can do in one day, you know, like some de- when I was working on a project like a month ago, I was working on this thing I've been building called Laravel Jetstream. Um, I was like cranking out like eight hours of just like fingers flying across the keyboard for eight hours straight, but most of the days are not really like that. Yeah, for me, it seems to really follow that, like where my energy is or how passionate I am about something. Yeah. I can just like struggle to get through a solid six hour productive day sometimes but then if i'm yeah. really passionate i can do a 12 and i notice right yeah for sure and there's just like i don't know i feel like there's a lot more distractions than there used to be to um like you know slack or twitter or i am people iming me um there's just, i feel like there's a lot more of that and i think part of it's just because like i'm kind of managing more um Mm-hmm. so people have more people have to come to me for questions or like for me to stamp off on something or whatever um whereas before it wasn't really like that so i mean that cuts into my day a decent amount too just kind of all that kind of stuff do you have any strategies for managing that focus or those distractions 
Uh, I just turn everything off, basically. I mean, like, I don't know what else to do. Um, like, just sign off of Slack, sign off of Discord, shut down Telegram. I like tell my wife, like, if you want to talk to me, use iMessage because no one messaged me on iMessage. Uh, they always use mm-hmm. Telegram. Um, so I was like, if you want to talk, just message me on uh, iMessage because I'm shutting down Telegram for a while. Um, but other than that, no, not really. Um, I always try to like work. I also try to work on like the hardest stuff first in the day or like even, even on a project, like if I'm building something like a package, I always try to tackle all the hardest stuff first. Um, just so I can like make sure everything is possible. Cause like if I want to fail, I want to fail early. So like I'll shut everything down, focus on the hardest task first, like in the morning and then, you know, try to really hack on that for a couple of hours, at least without any interruptions. Cool. Do y'all work fully async with, uh, you have a few employees now, right? That they're spread out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got three, um, myself, Mohammed, Dries and James Brooks, and everyone's in a different country. It's like, of course I'm in the U S and Mohammed's in Egypt. James is in the UK and Dries is in Belgium. So, I mean, those, those other three are like only within a couple of time zones of each other. So they're all there pretty much at the same time. But of course, I'm like seven hours apart. So everyone's pretty async, especially me, um, which I mean, it, it's had some benefits because like by the time I get in in the morning, they've already sort of like triaged everything. You know what I mean? So like mm-hmm. if there's an email that I need to look at or there's a GitHub issue that only I can look at, like that's already like ready to go. Um, you know, they've already kind of looked at it, escalated it to me. And so I don't know. That's kind of nice because they have time to sort of like do some house cleaning before I get there in the morning. Yeah, that sounds good. Is it isolating though to work pretty much by yourself most of the day or at least a good part of the day? Yeah. Like honestly, if it were me, I would kind of prefer to work in an office. Like if I had the choice, um, as long as the commute was like reasonable. Um, and if I had to commute like more than like 30 minutes, I wouldn't want to, but in Arkansas, you almost never would have to commute that long. Um, Mm. but I don't know. It's just, I always felt really productive in the office just because like you can whiteboard things. You can just like talk face to face and solve problems a lot quicker rather than just like typing them on Slack. So I've, there's a few co-working spaces around here in Arkansas, but I mean, that's not really like a huge thing here. Um, just because like the tech scene is very small. Um, and then with coronavirus, of course, a lot, most everything was shut down for a long time. Um, so I tried it. I've done that before. Um, but, I mean, it's okay. I mean, my whole family's here right now, <laughs> so um, can't be too lonely. Yeah. yeah, that's true. How long have you been working from home overall now? Uh, this is my eighth year because I started in 2012. Wow. Uh, Ian hired me at Userscape, and they were all remote already. And uh, myself and Eric Barnes were actually the first two programmers he hired at Userscape because he, he had done all the programming himself originally. And... Um, he was in North Carolina, Eric was, and I was in Arkansas, and he was in New York. So we were all remote from the get-go, and I've done it ever since. That's cool. And you went straight from Userscape to Largo? Yep. So I launched uh, Forge at Laracon in 2014, and then I became full-time on Laravel January 1st on 2015. So pretty fast process after I launched Forge to going full-time. Cool. How was that? Was that scary yeah that was from a study job to work for yourself yeah it was really scary at first um because everything felt very volatile like even laravel itself like php frameworks came and went i mean you you remember especially like back in the day there were new frameworks all the time you know what i mean and they 
or they like had their four code matter variants or whatever. Everyone. Yeah. And they had, they had like, you know, people liked them and followed them. And, um, you know, I remember stuff like code igniter, Kohana fuel. Uh, I mean, some of these are still around like cake and it seems like there were new ones a lot more often and there's still frameworks that pop up today, but they just don't seem to ever get like the traction that other frameworks used to get. Like even fuel had some traction, um, when it first came out. And so at the time, like that was kind of still going on. And so Laravel felt like, you know, I mean, some new framework could come along and really just like knock it off. And now Forge is sort of like declining and I'm, you know, now I'm screwed basically. Um, so that was, that was one fear. And then just, you know, health insurance, stuff like that was added expense. Um, but it was just also new. I mean, Forge was not even a year old when I went full time on it. So it was just this feeling that it might fail at any time. Um, you know, but the PHP frame, the PHP landscape in terms of frameworks has changed so much since Laravel came out and this is not the same. So I don't tend to have those fears anymore, but it was definitely scary in 2014. Yeah. Uh, did you have any financial milestones you hit before you would leave? Like 2x what you made at your job or? Uh, I feel like I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I kind of think, remember that two X was about what I had in my head that I wanted to make. Like if I could make two times my salary, that would be really good improvement. Plus that would give me room to pay for the health insurance. Um, cause that was going to be quite a bit. I mean, I think that was right out of the gate, like 12,000, 13,000 a year, um, that I had to pay on that. And so I felt like that would be really safe. Um, and so I, I'm pretty sure I was basically around that level at the time when I left Userscape. Um, I think I was making, I don't know, maybe close to a couple hundred, 200,000 a year, something like that when I left Userscape. So I'd had a pretty decent improvement, but I mean, stuff could still go wrong. You know, I wasn't just like oh, yeah. rolling in cash necessarily, but th- things kept growing and we kept improving it a bit. And then once I brought on Muhammad in, I think, 2017, that really took um, a lot of pressure off of me too, because he could help out with Forge a lot. Mm-hmm. What's your What's your favorite project or even just feature that they worked on? My favorite feature I've ever worked on. Mm-hmm. Oh man, God, there were some or crazy project like Forge or whatever. Yeah, I mean Forge Forge was really cool because it was my first one, but there was just like some crazy stuff uh, where I just like really zoned in and worked on things. I remember at Userscape. We were getting ready to build. Um, I think we were working on Help Spot Four or that, or we were getting ready to build Snappy, one of the two. And like Laravel was still really young. I mean, it was only like, gosh, I don't know if it was Laravel two or I, I think it was Laravel two. And Eloquent was like, we were torn. I was torn personally. Like, should we use Eloquent? Should we use Doctrine? It felt like Doctrine was like it had been around longer. It was maybe a bit more powerful. Um, and you know, like, I don't know. I was just like self-conscious about the fact that eloquent might not be good enough or whatever. And, and so is, you're using this in user escape or, yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So like we start using doctrine actually a little bit and, um, we hit some roadblocks with it and it wasn't working out. I can't remember the specifics. And so like, I just like zoned in and like redid all of eloquent in like a week. And, um, 
just like that's when I added like eager loading was added then um, some other features that like we take kind of for granted now but I remember that was like a crazy thing to just like zone in and work on and just like hammer out and that was a lot of fun working on forge was a lot of fun um, I built the queue system when I was at userscape because that was those were all very like email help desk driven systems and we wanted to queue all that email um, so I, I wrote that at userscape I wrote the migrations at userscape like I did a lot of fun projects um, there. Uh, writing Vapor, actually, the serverless deployment thing that we most recently launched was really fun. Um, and then me and David Hemphill had a lot of fun on Nova too. Like David Hemphill, who kind of co-founded Nova with me, it's the only product I've ever done where I like co-wrote it with somebody. Mm. Um, he actually lives just like three hours away from me in Springfield, Missouri, and so he drove down actually um, to Arkansas for like a week. And we, we were at a co-working space and just like grinded there all the way into the night, basically from morning until after dark um, on Nova. And we just crushed out a lot of stuff there. And that was a lot of fun too. Cause that was, that was the only time I've really like really hammered out a project in person. Cause I'd been working from home for so long. It's a pretty cool arrangement to kind of partner with someone outside your own company to make something cool. That's also another business or, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he like convinced me to build it because like we were at um, I think he had run the idea behind me, and I had heard people mention me mention to me like, oh, we want an admin panel for Laravel, and I was just like, what the hell is an admin panel? Like, you have Table Plus or like SQL Pro, you know, just like run a query and get the data you want, and so I just never like understood the whole concept, um, and I think mainly that's because like I was just like a one man team for so long. And so like, mm-hmm. I didn't need this like sort of structured admin panel that had like safeguards and limitations in terms of what you could do. Um, because I wasn't, I didn't have like 10 developers or a bunch of clients manipulating the data. And so anyway, we were at Laracon in New York city in maybe 2017, I think. And, uh, David, he like pitches me on it and he kind of shows me this prototype and like explains to me in person, like why this would be like beneficial and I'm like, you know what? Like, screw it. Like, um, if you want to build, I can't remember how we how we talked about it. it. Was like, let's just try to knock out a prototype, and I'll build the back end, and you can build the front end. Because he had a lot more CSS skills than me, um, for sure. And um, so that's kind of how we got going. And like, <clears throat> I built the whole back end with with basically the super ugly front end. I think I tweeted a screenshot of it not too long ago. It's just like no styling at all, but just so I could like proof of concept the whole back end. And then he came in and built the whole front end and I was working on other stuff. And then when we tried to bring it all together, that's that's when like he came down to Arkansas so we could like make sure it all was linked up and working well and looked good. Nice. Are you a, a TDD guy or do you test as you go manually? Uh, mainly test after, but I've done some test as you go or test before stuff too, just depending on the situation. Um, I did testing. I feel like I did testing the wrong way for a long time. Even like after I started Laravel, like I was testing super low level and like with tons of mocks and, and stuff. And, um, I mean, I think kind of like Adam Wyden's the one that kind of helped kind of lead me out of that and got me more towards like feature testing basically testing almost at the controller level, just like feeding requests in and then asserting on stuff that happened. Um, he kind of helped me write out like the fake features of Laravel, like the mail fake, event fake, notification fake, all that. Um, but now like 
I don't know. It used to feel like my tests were so brittle, but now I really actually yeah. enjoy writing like a good test suite. Like Vapor has a really good test suite, I think, in terms of all the Laravel products. Um, but yeah, mainly test after. Nice. Tests. Test after like as part of the workflow or as a like separate checkbox? No, I pretty much write after I do the feature. I don't like, do you mean like, do I come back and write all the tests at the very end for everything? Yeah, I mean, I guess the two workflows I see usually for test after will be, it's pretty much TDD, but you're kind of working through the feature. That's what I do, right? Like it's pretty close to TDD, but I have to, I have to write the code first to get an idea of what I even want to write. And yeah. then I can write a test towards that. Mm-hmm. I, I just, my mental model does not work for TDD. At least that's not productive for me. Yeah. But I've seen other people where they like, they'll basically do the feature, they'll manually test the feature as they go. And when it's pretty close to done, mm-hmm. then they'll write the test suite. Yeah, I do. I do some of that, both of that. And I, I, one situation where I do write the test first actually happened today. And I find myself writing the test first a lot more on bug fixes than I do on new stuff. So like, we got a bug report on an eloquent issue, an eloquent like casting issue. And so like I actually recreated the bug in a test first on that one because like so much of the code is already written. You know what I mean? And I'm not really trying to like drive out a new design in the test. I'm just trying to confirm that this bug actually exists. Um, so I re- actually did recreate the bug like a failing test and then was able to get it to pass. But like, yeah, if I'm starting from like a blank slate, it's hard for me to like write the test first necessarily i mean i guess i could do it but i'm not sure it would necessarily be like any more productive for me yeah are you a iphone or android person (laughs) Uh, i've always had an iphone i'm just like kind of in the apple ecosystem i guess um my first iphone i think it was the iphone 3g something like that Um, it wasn't the very first iphone but maybe the second or third Mm -hmm. one and um it was like the rounded one right yeah it was super rounded um yeah so i've and then i've had one ever since and right now i have the iphone 10s trying to hold out for this fall because my iphone 10s battery is getting pretty pretty lame yeah it's it's a bad time right you <laughs> yeah this is a pretty, something, this is something the is the worst time <laughs> yeah uh what is the and i think this one came from twitter what is the secret to product naming uh I don't know. You know, I mean, people ask me that. I feel like a lot of those names come, most of them come pretty quickly, um, especially like Laravel Jetstream because it's it's sort of Tailwind related. So that was sort of like an easy play on Tailwind. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other names. Laravel Nova. I don't know where. I mean, some of them don't really have any like meaning. You know what I mean? I just kind of like make mm-hmm. them up. I don't know where Nova came from. Um, Laravel Dusk. Dusk was inspired by a... Uh, the JS testing library, Nightwatch JS. That's why it's called Laravel mm-hmm. Dusk. Um, what else is out there? Laravel Socialite was easy because it was just like social network authentication. So it's called it Socialite. Um, yeah. And then some of the names are inspired by other ecosystems. Like um, you may have heard me mention before, but like Blade is inspired by Razor from ASP.net. Um, Eloquent. I don't know. That was just a made up name. It didn't have any meaning. I don't think. But yeah, it's kind of a mix, you know, some of them are riffs on like the stuff they're based on. And then um, like, uh, what was it? Elixir, Laravel Elixir was based on gulp. And so like Elixir being like some sort of liquid and gulp being liquid related, um, you know, some of them are riffs on stuff like that. What about eliminate the namespace? Uh, <laughs> oh man, that's like kind of a funny story. So 
I was working at Userscape, and this was when Laravel 3 was around, and um, I needed, I wanted to work on Laravel 4, and like, I knew it was going to be just like radically different than Laravel 3 under the hood, and I knew that if I worked on it in the Laravel repository, that like everyone would lose their mind, like <laughs> that I was breaking everything, that nothing was going to work. people, by the way. Yeah, because like in 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 progress, it was so hard to see like the big picture, um, and so I needed like this secret place to work on it where like no one would notice. So I created this whole new organization called Illuminate, where I could just like work on it in private without anyone bothering me, and like nobody noticed for like ever. Like I mean, for a long time, um, and I basically had it all built. Like I built all the components like as separate components, and I was going to glue them all together. Um, and tie them together with the service providers and then sort of the finishing touch with the facades to make it feel like Laravel 3. That was sort of like, you know, so that people felt um, comfortable with it. And it looked, it basically looked like Laravel 3, even though it was very different under the hood when you were using the facades. Um, but I mean, I think I just tried to come up with something off the top of my head that was just like random and no one would even guess um, was me working on Laravel 4. And then, you know, eventually I was able to announce it. And like the original plan was honestly to move everything back into Laravel um, the organization. But, oh, really? but for some reason, and I don't really remember like the exact reason why this happened, but like we just never did that. And it, it stayed, all those packages stayed under the Illuminate organization. And I, don't, I can't remember if it was like, well, we'll leave it that way so that people know that you can use them outside of Laravel. Um, uh, or whatever, but that was kind of like a big thing at the time. Like you should write all of your packages to be that they can be used anywhere, which is like, a, I guess that's a pretty good thing to like aim for or whatever. Um, so that was kind of the goal. Um, and we never moved them back over. Do you regret naming facades facades because the, just all the pain in the ass that was, or was it good marketing overall? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it probably, I, I still kind of like the name. Like, I mean, and I, Honestly, I don't even feel that incorrect about the name sometimes, but, um, you know, some of them are more facade like than others. There are some that I feel like are actually true facades in the computer programming sense, but like I was only thinking in like the English sense of the word facade where it's like, it looks like something on the front, but it's just like, it's not what it appears to be. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and that was kind of what I was thinking on it. And I honestly, at the time did not even think about or remember that there was an actual facade design pattern and you know by the time i mean we actually very seriously considered renaming them to um proxies at one point um which i think uh paul jones had recommended maybe as a name and then it, 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 then i think eventually i was like you know why do i care what's people that don't even use laravel think of it you know what i mean like yeah. if you're not really invested in the project or care about the project in any way What's the difference? And it's not like it was that big of a deal anyway. You know, like no one was. I don't think anyone was actually confused by it. No, no one was actually seriously confused by that. But um, whatever. I mean, going back, like I would have no problem. If I could start fresh, then sure, I'll call them something different. But um, now the ship has sailed, I think. <laughs> yeah. What's, uh, what do you do for fun away from the computer? Either you or with the family or both? Uh, so like my kids have been really into fishing lately. So we've been fishing a lot. Mm -hmm. I play rocket league quite a bit and I play basketball quite a bit outside too. Just like in my, in my driveway. <laughs> um, yeah, kind of, those are kind of the three main things we have going right now. So we live like 
our neighborhood is sort of like built around a lake um so we can drive down to this dock on the lake and fish or we can drive to like different parts of the lake and fish um so they've been catching a little fish there and then like i said i probably play five or six games of rocket league a day at least and uh i do that with uh david hemphill or adam wathen or my brother-in-law or a few other people that play rocket uh, league's great because it's so quick i know I, yeah i love it because i got 10 minutes to kill i can play two games and walk away yeah yeah uh james is into Fortnite a little bit um none of us are like very good or anything but that to me that's also a little bit like rocket league like i can play one match it's a little bit longer than rocket league depending on how long you stay alive but um it's not like an hour long commitment you know of like grinding um so i really like games like that where i can play for 10 or 15 minutes and then just like be done any other hobbies you said basketball did you play basketball in school or where did that come from yeah, I played basketball in high school, and now I just play for fun. Um, I tried to play in a basketball league here in Benton, actually, or near Little Rock, um, uh, a couple of years ago. That was pretty fun. But other than that, mainly just uh, for fun in my driveway. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I also play. I play drums a lot too, because um, yeah. I was I was on the drum line in college at Arkansas Tech, um, so I still like have my drum pad and sticks and all that, and so I like mess around on that some too. What kind of music do you play? Uh, well, I was always like, as far as drums goes, I was always in marching band. So like, it was all like, you know, at football games and the shows at halftime and all that. Like, I was never really like all that great of a drum set player. I was just like a good drum line player. Mm-hmm. It's like snare drum, stuff like that. Um, so it was like, it's two really kind of different ways of playing. Like some people are really good at drum set and they're terrible at like, that style of drumming and some people are really good at like marching band style drumming and terrible at drum set and that's pretty much me like i'm okay at drum set like i could just play something very basic and like fill in for somebody but i'm not like a rock star at it or anything uh so from twitter how is the garden the garden you have a garden uh no i don't really have a garden but i don't know if they mean like you know how british people call your front lawn your garden <laughs> well, yeah but would they care how your front lawn is doing I don't know. We tried to have a garden once actually at uh, my old house and we had, we couldn't grow anything. It went really bad. We built like, it took us a while. We like, we built like this whole raised bed garden and it just like flopped. So not, not, not well, actually. How's the weather there in Arkansas right now? Uh, pretty hot. Um, like in the nineties, like 92, 93. Um, our tornado season is like, uh, I would say starts kind of in February, maybe there might be a couple in February and then goes to like the end of May. And now mm-hmm. from like June until, you know, September, it's going to be like scorching hot, pretty much like nineties or over a hundred. Once it gets into July and August, definitely over a hundred a lot. Um, and then start cooling down in September. Do you have a, a basement or do you do anything for shelter? with the tornadoes? No, almost nobody has basements here. I don't know if it's because I don't know if the ground is just not suitable for it or what, but in Arkansas, I almost never see a basement. Um, but I actually have a tornado shelter because I hate tornadoes. Um, so hmm. like I have one of those above ground, like steel tornado shelters. that's like anchored into the foundation uh, with these big anchor bolts. There's like 20 of them in there. And this thing is like stout. Like there is nothing that is moving this thing. <laughs> that's, that's pretty fascinating, actually. How big is this? Uh, it's like four by six. It's super heavy. Oh, so that's, it's pretty tiny. Yeah, it's like, pretty small. Sure just my, my yeah, just my family could get in it. And then, yeah. 
Um, it has this huge like steel door. It weighs hundreds of pounds. Just the door must weigh hundreds of pounds. And then to test it, they like take a two by four and fire it at it at, like two hundred miles an hour. And this like the, this Texas A and M has this like testing site for this kind of stuff. And so they like test them down there. Um, and they brought it here on a truck and like anchored it in to the found like the concrete foundation pretty deep. It's pretty like wild. actually into your house foundation. Yeah. Actually, in, like it's out, it's out in the garage. Like there's the garage slab of concrete, mm-hmm. and they put like twenty big anchor bolts down into that deep, like multiple inches down into that. Wow. Um, and then those anchor bolts, like you know, they kind of hook in down there somehow. Like they sort mm-hmm. of expand or something. And um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing that's going to take that off. I mean, the whole house would be gone. It would just be a concrete slab and then the shelter if a <laughs> big tornado hit it. Wow, they need ventilation. Yeah, there's like a ventilation thing on the door to let um, some air in. And there's a small ventilation thing on top um, to get some air mm-hmm. in. And then like, um, you know, you're supposed to keep like some bottled water in there in case like debris traps you in there until like the fire department or whoever can like clear it out and get you out of there. So the tornado's coming. You have to run to the shelter. <laughs> what are you grabbing? <laughs> and i don't know every i mean if my laptop is close i'm definitely grabbing my laptop i mean i could everyone says like don't grab anything you know what i mean but like if my laptop's close i'm grabbing my laptop <laughs> i mean i will try to get the dogs in there hopefully they cooperate um how many dogs do you have uh just two we have two small like uh, uh they're golden doodles but they're sort of like golden doodle breed back so they're like 75 percent poodle mini poodle and tw- hmm. maybe like a quarter golden retriever so like they don't shed like a poodle but they're also they look a little bit like a golden retriever in the face but they're pretty cool little dogs that's cool that's uh, what are the kids up to right now um man you know just like school was crazy with the coronavirus stuff um because they they sent everyone home from school in march um when there was there was one coronavirus case in Arkansas actually, and they they shut all the schools down, and um, everyone came home, and they started doing it online. But like, um, no one was prepared. You know what I mean? Like, no, nobody was really geared up to do that. And so, like the first day they have school, I I knew this was gonna happen. Like they get on Zoom or whatever, and like every kid's like, I can't hear anything. My video's not working. Blah 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 blah. And it was just like a disaster. And so, like, I don't know if they really learned much, like, those last two months of school. Um, so that took up, uh, that was pretty stressful time. It took up a lot of time. But now, I mean, it's summer. So just going to the pool and, um, hanging out outside. We have a creek right by our house. So, like, they go out there and catch frogs, catch crawfish. I don't know. Kind of like Arkansas stuff. Uh, does your wife work or what does she do for fun? No, she doesn't work. Um, I mean, so, I mean, she's pretty busy now since the kids are home, but when they're not home, um, you know, she likes to do like in the past, she's done a lot of sewing. So like she, she can do like a lot of like little house in the prairie type stuff, like sewing, um, uh, making quilts, um, all this baking stuff, like all that kind of like thing. Cause she kind of grew up like a farm life basically. Um, so she likes a lot of that stuff. Um, and when the kids were in school, like me and her could go out to eat lunch and like hang out during the day, but like, that's all come to a screeching halt now that everyone's home. Yeah. Life is different. Yep. (laughs) 
this comes from Twitter. In Arkansas, do you call it cornhole or bags? Everyone calls it corn. I've always heard it cornhole. I've never heard bags before. Yeah, me either. But yeah, it's a fun game. Uh, all right. So what is your... I'm calling it the production function. I'm stealing this from Tyler Cohen. This conversations with Tyler podcast. What is the thing that drives you or makes you unique? You know, what do you think about you push you towards Larvel and the things you've made? Um, definitely like perfectionist tendencies. And also, um, one thing I mentioned on my podcast is this low threshold for like pain in programming. So like, Anytime anything is even like slightly inconvenient, like I'll build some solution for it. Uh, whether that's, I mean, you know, just over the years, like Homestead or Forge or Dusk or um, Socialite or Cashier or Spark, all that stuff is sort of driven out of me just being like, this is too hard to do. This shouldn't be that hard to do and building some new solution for it. Um, and I, I call that like a low pain tolerance. So like some people have a really high pain tolerance. Like if you go on, like say something like hacker news or product hunt or something like that, and you read like feedback about people's projects, um, even about like the new Mac stuff that just was announced uh, yesterday, like people will be like, you know, I don't know. I think I could do this, you know, on like a raspberry Pi and installing this, this and this and tinkering with this. And some people just have that like very like, you know, homebrew personality, which is cool. Uh, but that was never really me. It was always like, I want everything to feel like very like, um, what's the word? Like sort of curated or like pre-built and everything works just like really cleanly out of the box and it, you don't have to do a lot of configuration. So I have like a low pain tolerance for that stuff. And that's always, that's really always been keeping my projects going, whether it's like vapor deploying to serverless was like a nightmare. Um, with Laravel and PHP. So I wanted to make that a lot easier. And all of my projects are really based on that over the years. Um, so I think that's definitely sort of the main driving force for like all my stuff. What type of uh, space pilgrimage are you on? <laughs> Those are dark secrets, man. That like, um, so me and, uh, me and David Hempill went to Amsterdam and in Amsterdam, things are legal that are not legal in the United States. <laughs> so you're very high. Yeah, so um, we we took some truffles there, um, which you know are basically magic mushrooms. Um, and I don't know, we had a space pilgrimage. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to if you've been there, you've been there. You know what I mean? Like if you've been a space pilgrim, you understand what it means to be a space pilgrim. But uh, we just—I mean, I don't know. It was a crazy experience, and like honestly, everyone should try it once. It was probably one of the most like enlightening experiences of my life, I would say. Um, and then we just joked about it because like, while it was happening, um, I was messing, he was in his hotel room and I was in my hotel room, but we were in the same hotel building and we didn't really want to be next to each other because like, I didn't want one of us to like start crying or something. You know what I mean? And like be really awkward. And so, um, I'm, I'm texting him on, uh, my telegram and I'm just like, is this my space communicator? Like, I don't even know where I am. You know what I mean? Or like what this even is. And he was like, I don't know, dude, I think so. And like, I, we were just so confused, man. And then we we're just laughing about it later and called ourselves space pilgrims. And so, uh, you know, that's kind of where that comes from. 
those messages had to be great to read. Oh my, dude, I still have them. Uh, and I also kept like a journal, like I wrote like a log book, like a pen and paper uh, of some of that stuff. And it was pretty hilarious. One second. So journal's a cool idea. I've heard about it. Yep. Pretty funny. All right. Uh, a few last things to close this out. What uh, what books would you recommend, or what books have you been reading lately? Anything really? Uh, lately, I've been reading the Mistborn trilogy, um, which is a fiction like fantasy series by Brandon Sanderson, um, which I'm really liking. That um, I also like it because like the books are like 300 pages; they're not like 2,000 pages or something. Uh, like some of those crazy fantasy books are. Um, so it's actually pretty manageable. <laughs> um, so I've been reading that and that that's been good. Um, I read, let's see. I think one of the nonfiction books I read recently that was pretty good was the practical stoic. Um, can't remember who that's by, but I just got that on Amazon. That was a good book. Um, what are you before that? Those are kind of the two, some of the two recent books I've read though, that are, uh, pretty good. I'm trying to read, more books this year i think i've read five um first mistborn book and now i'm on the second mistborn book uh the daily stoic practical stoic i've read um let's see i've been keeping a list um this book called the four agreements i read that that was okay that was kind of like a booklet it was like 100 pages on just like i don't know it's sort of a self-help self-transformational book that was a pretty cool book i think that's pretty much what i've read in 2020 are you um consider yourself a stoic or what the, what the stoic uh yeah i mean i found it helpful um because i tend to be someone that like worries a lot and usually worries about stuff that like i can't control at all um so i mean the whole like idea behind the stoicism stuff is basically don't worry about stuff you can't control and only focus on the things you actually can change um, so that it was like really good for me. You know what I mean? It sort of depends on like where, what people have as their struggles. Um, for me, that was really like good advice and a lot of stuff I needed to hear. But if, if you're not someone that really struggles with that kind of thing, then it might not be as helpful for you. Um, so that was kind of why I got into that and read a few of those books. Yeah. I, I even find just the, um, stopping to think through like okay what's the worst thing that could happen in this situation <laughs> yeah. and then let's like scale our anxiety appropriately i found that yeah. useful constantly right? yeah and also i think for me it was helpful and don't make assumptions about things that could happen like say i don't know um, i'm trying to think of an example um if something goes wrong you might catastrophize it like a lot more than what it is. And like, it's best to just stay with what actually happened like right now without like embellishing it or without thinking like without overblowing it in your mind or making something it isn't. Um, that was also really helpful for me too. Like for, I mean, to tie, it, to tie it to reality, like say we had a bug on forge and like you might catastrophize it. Like, well now no one's going to trust forge. No one's going to use forge anymore, blah, blah, blah but it's better to just stick with we had a bug on forge we fixed it at the end like don't don't make assumptions and don't like try to read into the future of what could happen or what may happen as a result of that necessarily and make it worse than it has to be uh podcasts i don't really to be honest i don't really listen to a lot of podcasts i listen to dj mix podcast because um when i work i listen to a lot of like deep house uh, DJ sets. And so a lot of those actually are on pod are like distributed as podcasts, oddly enough. Like 
each mix will be like its own episode. Um, so I listened to a few of those. Like there's one called Mind Over Matter. Um, there's one called Late Night Grooves. Um, and then as far as like tech podcasts, the only thing I would really ever listen to is Jeffrey's Larica Snippet and Full Stack Radio from Adam Wath. And I'm not, I don't really listen to any other tech podcasts. And honestly, even those, I don't even listen to every episode. I just listen to like the episodes that sound interesting to me. Um, I think part of that is because like, I don't really have a commute or any time where it like makes sense for me to listen to a podcast because if I had a commute, I would definitely listen to it a lot more because I could just listen to them to and from work. But as it is, like I just walk up to my office and kind of get to work. So I normally don't listen to that kind of thing because it's hard for me to work and listen to like a technical podcast at the same time. Just, I, I just won't be able to digest it. And uh, shows, Netflix or streaming or shows or movies, right? What other kind of media mm-hmm. are you enjoying? Um, I'm kind of late onto every like big show. So like we're sort of halfway through Game of Thrones, which I've never seen. Um, kind of late. <laughs> yeah, pretty late. <laughs> um, I, I'm a big Star Trek fan, so I'll watch that some. Um, I like old like the Twilight Zone shows from the 1960s. Um, and then everyone's been trying to get me watch. Well, everyone like my family has been trying to get me watch um, Ozark. And I haven't started that yet, but mm-hmm. we, we, we talked about starting that this week. Um, and I was a big Breaking Bad fan when that was on. Uh, I watched that live on TV every week. Better Call Saul. Uh, I've seen the first three seasons of Better Call Saul, and then like they took like a year and a half off mm-hmm. um, to make that. I think I don't care if it's the fourth or fifth season, and I kind of like never got back into it. But I need to finish that because I've heard it's gotten better. Or it, I mean, it was I always thought it was actually pretty good, but I've heard like the last few seasons were even better than the first few. Those arc is good. I definitely also thumbs up their recommendation. Uh, Dads is one I watched recently that was pretty good. It's like, oh, yeah. when it's about programming, it's really hard for me to get into because I'm usually just mad the whole time. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, but this one was pretty well done. It wasn't necessarily about programming. So worth checking out. Yeah. And I actually still watch Walking Dead. I think just because, like, really? Just because, like, I feel like. I've seen so much of it at this point that like I can't quit <laughs> now. Like, yeah, like I yeah, exactly. Like there's so much lost there, like time wise, that I might as well just keep going until the end. Um after like ten seasons or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I gave up on that years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think most people have, honestly. <laughs> nice. Uh that's that's all I have, man. Thanks for your time. It's been yeah, it's been good chatting with you. Yeah, cool deal. Thanks for having me.